be differentiated at all cost. You know, so uh, one of the things I learned in my previous life was it is really hard to compete in a category that's well-funded with long legacy, um, you know, competition. You have to have something truly unique to stand out on shelf. You have to have something truly unique so that your advocates will talk about it. Um, if you try to create a Me Too product or something that already exists just with a different facing on it, you better have a lot of money to spend because it's going to be hard to break through. Welcome back to Winning at Work. It's season three, the podcast for the food and beverage and CPG world. I'm Jennifer Lee, Tony's new marketing sidekick and creative guru. I'll attempt to keep him on track as we discover the ideas and strategies behind all these different veteran special brands. Oh, good luck keeping me on track, but I am really stoked to have you on the team, Jennifer. Your background in marketing and SEO and socials, we are going to have so much fun this year. We're going to be discovering the new brands here in 2023. It's all about functional, good for you, lifestyle brands. Those are trending. Those are the products that are gaining market share and really pulling away from those old legacy brands. We're going to have each and every one of those brands down on the podcast to talk to us, to share their ideas, their inspiration. So you, the entrepreneur, so you, the food and beverage and CPG professional can take these new ideas in and incorporate them into your business and into your life. Oh my gosh, Tony, I'm seriously so excited. I feel like I learn so much just from listening to older episodes. Well, that's why we're here. And if this is your first time here, I would recommend, look, go back, take the five episode challenge. Pick a brand, pick a CEO, an entrepreneur, dive in, listen to what it is that they're teaching us. If you love the content, subscribe. We hope you're along with us for the journey each and every week. By the way, do you have a favorite brand in your market you would love for us to amplify on this national platform? Reach out to us on LinkedIn and stay tuned for this week's episode. Hey, it's Jennifer. We get it. Everyone hates hiring. Inspired by his guests, Tony created a novel talent acquisition program that attracts the hidden candidate market, the 70% of people that are not actively applying to jobs. Click on the attract link in the show notes to watch a demo. Welcome, everybody. It is Tony from Winning at Work. I cannot believe all the years I have been in food and beverage and running this podcast that I have not had a beverage brand that is out of Atlanta, Georgia, which is my hometown. I'm from Atlanta. Everybody knows I have moved to North Carolina. But, um, you know, you would think that there'd be more beverage brands starting for the main reason that you have like the flagship beverage company in the world, Coca-Cola Company. And you know there's lots of people who've got brilliant ideas that have come out of that organization that have uh, taken their turn at building a beverage brand. And today I actually do have that pleasure of speaking with Andrew Rodbell, the co-founder of Post Meridium Spirit Company based in Atlanta. Andrew, my friend, fellow Atlantean, welcome into the program today. 
Thank you for having me. And and yeah, I mean, this couldn't be more Atlanta if I tried. It's actually just two miles from the home that I grew up in. And that's probably just another couple of miles from the Coca-Cola headquarters. So it's all nice and central here. You know, having grown up in Atlanta, I remember when we were, I think Metro, I think the most, it was like 1.5 million. And then a little something called the Olympics happened in 96. And we exploded pretty much at that point. No, and I think, yeah, speaking of which, there was a little population sign right on Peachtree Road near. That's what I'm talking about. And I remember going to watch the 4th of July Peachtree Road races there, and the population would be about one and a half. Exactly. Now you drive by it, and it says six or seven. So uh, it's certainly grown. Those of us who are from Atlanta, you know exactly what we're talking about because Peachtree Road Race is the number one or the largest 10K in the world or they say in, in America for sure. I think they're up to like 60,000 participants now that are in that race. And yeah, so anyway, well, we digress. So what I think is really interesting is that you have created, you and your co-founder, you have created the world's best ready-to-drink cocktail. Now, I have to say, now people know I'm not like the biggest drinker and everything, but I wanted to, hold on, hold on. Did you hear that little pop? <laughs> I um, what I wanted to do, and I'll probably put some videos up too of the different um, the different ready to to drink you know varieties that they have here. So I want to get into your origin story and just how you came up with this. Why? I mean, look, there's a lot of beverage companies out there. Why? Why are you introducing this into the market? And, and what is your unique play? It, while I drink my beverages, you go ahead. If, yeah. if I get drunk, it's, it's, you have to finish. I, I've done that before. I'll do it again. That's totally <laughs> uh, The simplest version of the story is that uh, my old friend and now business partner at a concert and we wanted a Mai Tai. And it created a conversation about, you know, why doesn't, why can't you have a Mai Tai wherever you want, anywhere, anytime? And when we said Mai Tai, what we did is we also put some constraints around this conversation. We said it had to be full strength. It had to be the right size. And most importantly, it had to use only real ingredients. And that kind of commitment to authenticity led to every decision that we've made as we built this company. Because I will just say this, the ready to drink category, I knew it was going to boom in terms of alcohol. I kind of saw some data and I won't get into all of that, even though I, you know, at Coke, we were trained very well to look at all the that and you had access to it too and you got a you know world-class marketing team to help you well in that sense that i had to do it on my side and uh, but no I, I didn't have the full access to all the data but i certainly had some intel data and some under some iri data and some interesting things to help construct my story but the bottom line is this i saw that the ready to drink category was ready to boom in the u.s if it just caught up to where it was in europe and asia um, but that being said when i looked at the category i noticed something was missing and that was the fact that there was no authenticity in it uh, and so our goal was to create something truly authentic in a space that needed it. And that's why I think that we're still around five years later. That's why I think that we've connected with consumers the way we have. And that's why we're now in 17 states and growing. Um, so we feel really lucky to have connected with consumers. But the reason is, is again, it gets back to it. Taste, taste, taste. And so it, it's phenomenal, first, too. I mean, yeah. right out of a can. Um, and it's pretty strong <laughs> too. So well, uh, now this look, we don't do video podcasts. No one wants to see me, but 
you're drinking water, which is probably smarter than what I'm doing. So <laughs> no, but well, it's- well, you touched on a few things. Let's go back. So ready to drink. What is your estimation of the market size? So, I mean, I read articles today that talk about a, you know, five to seven to 11 billion size by 2025, 2030, depending on what article you read. Um, and again, what you include in the ready to drink category, I like to segment us in the spirit based ready to drink category. Correct. That's, what that's I mean. the one that's growing. What's shrinking right now is the seltzer craze with the malt based beverages. So the White Claws, the Trulies of those of the world are in decline. Um, but what's growing is the beyond beer stuff that we're involved with in the spirit based world. So uh, our category is simply the fastest growing in spirits. It's got a 40 plus kager. It's it's really exciting. Um, and it's nice to have a differentiated product in the fastest growing category in all of spirits. Well, you mentioned so it you wanted the full strength, right size, fresh ingredients. I think the first thing that everyone's going to notice is the cute can. Yeah, and the can's the the can is the It hook. is so cute. It is cute, but the reality is is the can picked us and let me tell you that story as well. What do so you mean? Back to this we said how every decision we made when we built this company was built on authenticity. Firstly, we wanted to have a cocktail, which meant the right size for a cocktail is 100 ml or 3.4 ounces. And that's what you would get when you go to a bar. If you were to order an old fashioned, that's the three ounces of bourbon, some bitters, a little simple syrup. That's the drink. If you go order a cosmopolitan, it's the same story. It's going to be 100 ml served in a nice you know, uh, coupe. So we were we're fixated on that size. So because we had to have an authentic size and a full strength drink. Um, But because we're fixated on the ingredients also, we realized that we could not use PET or glass because when you're using things like 100% real lime juice, which we use, uh, lime juice is not like oxygen and it does not like light. And the can turned out to be the most least porous and most protective, um, you know, package for our, you know, for your ingredients. Mm-hmm. And so that began another problem. Well, guess what? There's no canning line in the U.S. that makes 100 ml cans. And so uh, there was one actually in the U.S. Uh, and they were up in Michigan and we didn't want to work with them because they didn't want to work out the real ingredients. And uh, we ended up building our own canning line. And that just goes to show you the commitment we have to getting this right. So while that package is a cute hook, it's also a full explanation of our commitment to authenticity and taste. So uh, people just need to understand the kind of commitment you have made with this. Right. And that's, I think, what's really interesting. You talk about, you know, even brands from Atlanta. I mean, most people that start a new beverage product do the lower risk route, which is to outsource you know, all the manufacturing and potentially even outsource the development of the product. Uh, And then all they have to worry about is sales and distribution and marketing. And, uh, and it's a lower capital way to get into this industry. But again, for what we wanted to do, we knew we needed to be differentiated. We knew we needed to do something different uh, and, and stand out on the shelf and stand out, you know, what the end product was. Um, we, We were willing to do the hard work to get it right. Well, you've now set yourself up in the sense that you can scale and you control manufacturing. And that's been the big problem that companies have just let they have lost their co-packers. They've lost their bottling partners, because if you don't have the if you're not meeting the MLQs, 
how are you going to keep your product on the line? You know, and I think there's so many advantages to doing it ourselves. Um, yes, it's the hard work of learning how to manufacture and get our quality control in check and, you know, having consistency and team and all that. Well worth it, though, because um, we've never missed a PO with our distributor. We've never had any problems like that because we can manage our supply chain, manage our demand planning on a dime. And in the long run, yes, it's scalable and it's more financially viable. So again, I'm not saying every beverage needs to have self-manufacture. That's certainly not the case until you know that you're going to have a certain size. Right. But um, in our situation, especially with being as novel as we are, uh, it turned out to be the right decision. So talk to us a little bit more about your your actual business model, mm-hmm. uh, where you know, where you're focusing your distribution, because obviously you're playing in three-tier systems. So tell us kind of where you're operating right now. Right. And I'm glad you referenced that. It is a three-tier system and uh, for liquor. So we are a supplier. We sell to a wholesaler or distributor and they sell to the retailer who then sells to the end consumer. Um, so our role is to be the supplier. We assist in the distribution by, you know, augmenting their sales force and doing some work with our team distributors. And then we also work with the retailers to make sure that, you know, we're merchandised correctly, have unique point of sale and, and, and really win at the shelf. Um, and all of this is to get the consumer to pay attention. Uh, you know, you know, it's funny, I've had some ex Coke colleagues just laugh at me and say, well, you're a two headed beast, you're a manufacturer and you're the distribution salesperson. But I'd rather be the two-headed beast because I know I can do both of them right. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's certainly a different game that we play. But again, because we are self-manufacturer, you know, one of the reasons we grew at the pace we grew is because we had some limitations about how far we go with our initial canning line. So uh, we we maxed out our first canning line, then we had to build a second canning line. Uh, and that's now giving us the flexibility to go much wider and much more broad now. And it's actually been a nice pace. Now, is there any reason to go food service or does it make sense for you just to stick in, you know, retail, grocery and um, maybe so, convenience? You know, liquor is its own world, uh, as you know. So and there are different rules in different states. So yeah. um, in Georgia, where we started, only sold in liquor stores and other places with liquor licenses in other states like Louisiana, you can sell liquor and grocery. So you just it, it depends on everything that every market as to how, what channel you can get into and how often, um, you know, I will say most of our business has been in the traditional off premise, meaning liquor store, um, channel, but we're certainly developing a good presence now on premise, meaning, you know, hotels, country clubs, golf courses, places where a ready to drink authentic cocktail would make sense. Um, we're not trying to compete with your free pour program at your favorite bar. If you go to a bar and you want to order a cocktail, you'd like to see it made in per- front of you. We're not competing with that. But if right. you're at a grab and go at a hotel and you want to drink after the bar is closed, that's where we make sense. So where do you see the biggest growth coming? Well, I mean, uh, again, it's so funny when you it's like getting the business from the zero to one is always interesting, you're like creating the product. And then it's getting it from one to, to a point of proving out the concept. And then it gets to the next point of scaling. And so our version of scaling right now is one um, to get more points of distribution, you get more states. Right. So there's more liquor stores in every state to get more points of distribution is also to get into more um, on-premise accounts in each of those states that you're in, more hotels, more country clubs, more golf courses, more music venues, more things like that. So we still have a lot of runway just in the U.S. alone. 
um, to continue to grow and scale. Gosh, it yeah. is just such a it is just such a unique product. Um, I really hope people go to the website and just even look at look at that. I mean, it's just it's just very inviting, and I think this. I think you're what you're really doing. You're really catering to that person who just they want it right then and there. There is no waiting. I want it right now. I want it to taste great, and they they can take it with them. I mean, that's the that's the beauty of it, right? No, and I think what you nailed is two things. I mean, obviously, you look at the macro trends that were happening, and one, is, of course, is convenience. Uh, and, you know, but any ready-to-drink can offer convenience. You, know, you can take any drink, as good or bad as it is, on the road with you. What we wanted to do was not only fulfill that convenience part, but also fulfill the quality you would get at a bar or the quality you'd get when you make it yourself. Um, and maybe I'm giving you too much credit. Maybe you can make your own Mai Tai better than I could. But uh, <laughs> but, uh, but I will say this. Um, you know, we know that the millennial mindset and, again, all of this is about having your quality but also having your convenience. And so we were able to apply both of those because we work differently. Uh, and, again, using these real ingredients is an odd way for me to say this, but health and wellness is creeping its way into this category as well. And because we have zero chemicals in our drinks, I think that's appealing to a lot of people. So, right. I think people have to understand that, right? We're not trying to say this is a quote unquote, you know, good for you. That's, you know, you're going to get crushed on social media if you say that. But if you do use 100% real ingredients, like to your point, I mean, that in and of itself is healthier than taking any kind of chemicals. So I want to get into a little bit about your your sales, your marketing, your uh, POS strategy. This is an area that all companies, they're always looking for what's working. What is working for you guys? What what attracts the, uh, the new people to go into trial and then eventually love it and become, you know, a, a loyal advocate? Well, and, and that's what we're driving towards is to have our super fans and loyal advocates. And super love- fans, yes. And I like the way that you say advocate because that really is our marketing strategy. It is hmm. word of mouth and sampling. Um, we have not done any traditional media yet. Uh, I don't have the budget for it. Um, and also I haven't seen the ROI on it. But the reality is I've been doing enough sampling uh, to know that, you know, even if I'm at, let's call it a Charleston food and wine and I'm talking to the next person in line and I say, hey, these are full strength, real ingredient cocktails made with only real ingredients that your favorite bartender would use. And they get it. But then you pour the drink and they get to see it. They see the color. They see that it doesn't look like our lime juice looks like lime juice should. It doesn't look like it's glowing and manufactured in some lab, right? They get <laughs> the smell and they know that like, oh my God, there's real coffee in this espresso martini or they see the color of the bourbon, you know? And then, because you enjoy all your senses when you drink, right? And then when they take that sip, you literally see their eyes light up and their eyebrows go up and go, oh, it's a cocktail. It's like, like, you know. Did you not hear the words that were coming out of my mouth? Yeah, you, they didn't believe me until they sampled it. And then instantly they go into, oh, I'm going to take this on my boat. I'm going to take this on my golf course. I'm going to make this for my husband when I get home. Like, all of these things, right? So it's fascinating to see the aha moment being the liquid mm. lips. And that's a, that's a trite statement. Liquid lips. No, 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 no. We use it here. Liquid yeah, lips. So liquid lips is believing. And so, and again, when you have a quality product, believing. That's, that's what it is. And so from our perspective, um, that's where we've been investing all our marketing dollars. 
uh, as is event sampling and event and, sampling and word of mouth, uh, uh, you know, and things like that. And yes, some digital marketing, but very little. Um, you know, I, I don't know that there's any billboard I could put up that's going to make you stop your car and drive to a liquor store right now. Um, but I do believe that when you have this impulse item at the checkout, which is again where we want to be, and someone experiences it once, I promise you they'll come back a second time. And then mm-hmm. so our rebuy rates have been fantastic. And our velocity at every point of distribution has been fantastic. And that's what makes me feel good as a marketer and makes me feel good as a manufacturer. It's that the product itself is begetting more people to try it. Yeah, I think when people try something that they like, they get real creative and they think, where can I take this in my life? Mm-hmm. And I'm, I imagine that gives you additional ideas of where to go and set up a sampling program, if you will. Right. No, and uh, I wish they, we- they kind of bring you like, hey, you need to come with us because we're going to go here and we know everybody would love this. So, again, one of the challenges of being in liquor compared to other things is, you know, if I had a non-alcoholic product, I could just show up at a dog park and start handing out drinks. I could show up, <laughs> people, you know, anywhere. Who's this guy <laughs> handing out, you know, cocktails? Yeah. Right. With liquor, it's a little more challenging. I have to make sure there's a place that uh, where it's legally allowed. But uh, that's why we have to take advantage of every opportunity we can where we're set up to sample within, whether it's a barbecue festival or, uh, you know, uh, you know, a music festival or whatever it is. But uh, those are big right now. Music they're, festivals. They're, those they are. are huge. And we've been I mean, having three and four day events. Right. And we've been really glad to make some a lot of connections there. But again, if I had my ways, I'd love to be even more gorilla and just show up places where this would make sense and hand them out. But uh, again, there's some legalities to all the above. Right. Well, maybe you seem to be a little more daring. Uh, you know, it's kind of funny. When we were smaller, we could be more daring. Now we're like, oh, don't worry. It's a little <laughs> you got too much money involved now. You've got the canning line. You got two canning lines. You can't, uh, yeah. you don't want to get slapped with a fine that's, oh. Yeah. No, and that's the other thing. I mean, again, I will say this, getting back to, you asked the question how we built this. Like one of the things we've learned is that a lot of companies are built to grow at all costs, right? So they will just literally, their only ambition is price be damned, profit be damned, EBITDA be damned. We're going to, you know, get this out as far and as wide as possible and hope that someone will buy us someday. And, uh, you know, we're not. We built this company to be self-sustaining. We've already been profitable and we continue to have a great path forward. So, you know, from our perspective, this is a long-term investment in this brand, is a long-term investment in ourselves. And we're not here just to grow and hope that someone buys it. Um, I would just caution other entrepreneurs that the days of being bought with, you know, an unprofitable business are over. (laughs) And so- Long gone. If you want something, um, build it for yourself and hopefully someone likes it too. But, you know, we built this for ourselves. So we're really excited to be making money doing this. Who do you find are the, the quickest people to adopt? The, uh, uh, is that still, the, are we still talking about the millennial? Or are they still the quicker to adopt like, I, and, and try? I think you're asking one of the most funny questions that I, I, I don't know how to answer. And it goes, <laughs> um, so again, back to my days at my corporate job at Coca-Cola, I had more access to data than I could care for. I have no consumer beverage landscape data. I have no IRI Nielsen numbers to help drive my decision-making today. 
Um, the reality is, is that in liquor, it's hard to track who's purchasing and why because of the way the laws are set up and the way that the, the, they're tracked. Um, I will tell you, we are allowed to sell directly to consumers out of our store where we self-manufacture. So we get to know some people that way. And I go to liquor stores all across the country and kind of ask the people that work there who's buying this and why. So I've got a picture in my head. But the reality is, is yes, you've got 24-year-olds and flip-flops coming to buy a case of margaritas to go to the pool that day. Or you have, you know, my neighbor who's 80 and she comes and buys old fashions from me in bulk so that she can drink one while she walks her dog. So we are all over the map. How do you market to that? I mean, right, you know, your ideal customer profile is all over the board. It is. We certainly have a target mind when we built this and we certainly have a target mind when we talk about how to market it. But I'm being completely honest with you. Cocktails are for, in my mind, just people who are a little more sophisticated in what they're drinking. And um, still, and, and our version of it is someone who's still craves the quality, but still wants the convenience that they have never had with cocktails before. So, uh, yeah, we certainly have, you know, I think our advocates are all over the map is the shortest way to answer that question. Right. You've got lots of advocates. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So then it's just a, it's just a matter of, you know, how can you get enough sales force out there to do the sampling projects and investing in that kind of gorilla? You know, yeah. there are companies out there that give you that kind of that gorilla footprint. Do you look to those companies to do the gorilla marketing or do you have like internships? How do you go about the gorilla? No, no, we built an in, in-house team to do it. Again, because again, I'm trying to be profitable and also trying to keep the knowledge in my in, in sustainable. Our I hired someone who was uh, from the event world. Uh, he's built a great brand ambassador team. He's got his ears to the ground on how to get us in the right places at the right time and what to say in the right ways. Um, you know, we looked to outsource that originally. It just got quite expensive. And again, getting back to this idea that, like, if this is your true strategy, invest in it. Um, you know, uh, good point. Like, why would you outsource it if it's a core competency that you need to be really good at? Just go ahead and invest in it. Correct. And so that really, you asked where my marketing budget goes. That's really most of it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So then you, I, I'm, I'm kind of getting the vibe that maybe you, you're not the kind of person that would throw money at an influencer because it may not be authentic or genuine. But I, as soon as I say that, you're going to tell me you do. I don't know. No, no, you, you nailed it. Okay. Uh, we have had our viral hits on TikTok or whatever, but we've never paid a person ever. Yeah. Well, that's um, fine. That's different. And, and, and we, you know, people have sought us out to be co-collaborators on Instagram, whether they're living the van life and they wanted to show our cocktails in national parks. You know, that's up to them. We haven't really done a major outreach to anyone in particular yet. Um, I'm not discounting that in the future, but I will tell you uh, the word that you used, which I admire you saying, is authenticity. If it feels like we paid somebody off, I don't want it. Um, you know, cause I think people are smart enough to see through that these days. Yeah. And they do because you, the, the same person you follow on Instagram every week, they've got a new product and it's kind of like, ah, that's kind of cheap. It's like, yeah. obviously they're being paid. Yeah. And I, I think again, just getting back to the fact that, uh, if authenticity is what our product is, authenticity is what our market needs to be as well. So it's, that's kind of the, the umbrella in which we, we manage our decision-making. So having spent now, what, you're in your fifth year, roughly? Uh, 
fifth or sixth. I forget the time. Yeah. yeah so yeah. if you if you had to summarize for a new beverage brand uh, a key learning through this entire process, how would you finish this podcast with that? Oh, I would say <laughs> be differentiated at all cost. You know, so uh, one of the things I learned in my previous life was it is really hard to compete in a category that's well-funded with long legacy, um, you know, competition. You have to have something truly unique to stand out on shelf. You have to have something truly unique so that your advocates will talk about it. Um, if you try to create a Me Too product or something that already exists just with a different facing on it, you better have a lot of money to spend because it's going to be hard to break through. And I say that from past experiences. I've, I've, I've worked in corporations where we tried to create a Me Too product and we had the best distributors and the best sales force in the world and it still doesn't, it's hard to break through. So I just would say for me, and again, this gets back to everything we've done from our decision number one to today, it's about being unique and differentiated and authentic and if you can create those things and consumers connect with it, go go all in. Um, but if you're just a Me Too product, you know it's going to be a little more challenging. Right. And to your point, a Me Too product is almost really set up in theory to be bought because right. you're not. You know what I mean? You just you're just providing something that another big company can come in and buy and say we are players in this market. But if you're something totally unique and genuine and differentiated. Now you've got something that, you know, everyone aspires to. And I haven't seen this before, so I think it's really it's really clever and very novel. Well, thank you. And again, we were the first in this 400 ml format and for a line of cocktails. Um, you know, we're glad to be the category leader in it now. And now I just stay up at night just worrying about how to keep my lead. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You're like, how are we going to get profitable? How are we going to get this out? And now it's, okay, how do we fight off the defenders? Yeah, uh, Andrew, really it, just a fun podcast here with you today and great to great to talk to another, you know, uh, Atlantan. There's, yeah. not ma- there, there, there's not many of us left. No, it's funny to say, because, I mean, even when I walked the halls of Coca-Cola, people thought of me as a unicorn being from Atlanta and working at Coke. So, uh, you know, we, we I, I fifth generation love it here. This is home. You know, I've lived oh, around fifth generation, huh? Yeah, I've lived around the world. I've been in some great places, but but Atlanta's home and this is fifth where generation. Wow, you've got me. I I'm a I'm yeah. a fourth generation. Now my daughter's a fifth generation, but yeah, yeah it's a, it's a really unique it's a very it's a club. It's a very small niche of people now because yeah, they've all left. A lot of them have left and a lot of new people have come in, but I will tell you it's a different city than the one we grew up in, but in you some got way that right. In some ways it's better, in some ways it's just definitely different. Um, but I will say it's home, friends and family, and you know, and it's again. I built this company just less than two miles from the home I grew up in, so it's all full. Central. That's really cool. That's really yeah. cool. Andrew, yeah. so good to to get into this conversation, so everyone else could hear how you've built and how you've grown uh, Post Meridium Spirit Company. Oh, before we go, tell us real quick, what's the best way for people to find you and find you know retailers that uh, or perfect? Or, yeah. Uh, pmcocktails.com is our website. So uh, PM is an afternoon, as in time for a drink. That's the name of the company. Uh, pmcocktails.com. If you go to the store finder, you can find a, if we're in the state that you, where you live. If not, there is an e-commerce 
uh, where you can order online. Uh, again, that does go through the three tier system, so it's legal. <laughs> but uh, you can certainly order drinks. We, de we, we deliver to 40 states. Um, hopefully you're in one of those. And uh, if not, just reach out to me. We'll talk. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. All right, my friend. I'll have to, we'll have to catch up soon and have a cocktail. Sounds fantastic. Thank you. Appreciate right, talk you. Talk to you soon, Andrew. Yeah. Thanks.